the not-so-sweet side of sugar. That story and more on H2O Radio's Weekly News Report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. An over 20-year battle has come to an end along the Southern California coast after a state commission rejected a proposal for a desalination plant to turn seawater into drinking water for residents of Orange County. The California Coastal Commission unanimously denied a permit application from Poseidon Water, which had hoped to build a 50 million gallon a day facility in Huntington Beach, south of Los Angeles. The commission ruled against the permit, citing the plant's high cost and impact on marine life. They also detailed its hazards, including that the site sits atop an earthquake fault and would be vulnerable to sea level rise. The commissioners expressed concern that the project would privatize water and likely raise rates, making it too expensive for low-income consumers. Additionally, they noted that Poseidon had not secured any agreements with local districts to buy the water. Proponents of the proposal, which included Governor Gavin Newsom, said it would provide jobs and offer a drought-proof source of potable water as the state suffers worsening shortages brought on by climate change. Opponents countered that there were better options, such as recycling wastewater, which is already happening in the county. Last week, a campaign was launched in Florida to protect the public's right to clean water and to fight corruption. And it all has to do with sugar. The organization called Vote Water seeks to limit the influence that large corporate sugarcane producers have on legislators, saying the industry has interfered with efforts to mitigate both air and water contamination and has received billions of dollars in government subsidies. Vote Water claims cane production has polluted the Everglades, resulting in half the fish and wildlife having methylmercury in their systems. The chemical can also affect human health. Environmental advocates say the sugar industry has blocked proposed projects to clean polluted waters that have caused coastal toxic algal blooms and other damaging impacts on marine life. In producing half the cane sugar in the U.S., Florida companies burn the outer leaves of the crop, producing smoke and ash that harms nearby black and Hispanic communities, a claim denied by the industry. However, Vote Water says they're gaining support and the tide is turning against the industry. Earlier this year, environmentalists were successful in thwarting a bill that would have given the sugar industry an advantage over water management. One local official said that if the measure had become law, it would have starved the Everglades of much-needed water during the dry season. Cleaner air in Europe and North America has led to a surprising result more hurricanes in the Atlantic. Particulate air pollution from things like cars, trucks, factories, and energy production has been reduced by about 50% since 1980, and a new study from NOAA says the lower contamination levels have allowed oceans to absorb more heat, which can fuel storm production. Airborne particulates create smog that can reflect sunlight and have a cooling effect the opposite of greenhouse gases, which trap energy from the sun in the atmosphere and warm the planet. The cleaner air has been a key reason for a 33% increase in hurricanes in the past four decades. In addition, the land has become warmer, which has led to the movement of the jet stream toward the Arctic, creating conditions for storms to occur more readily. Meanwhile, in the North Pacific, hurricane activity slowed, 
which the study attributed to industrial growth in China and India that added more particulate matter into the atmosphere. And finally, when you're going out to eat, how do you decide what to order? You might consider price, calories, or just have a hankering for a favorite dish. But would you factor in the climate crisis and the greenhouse gas emissions associated with the food? That was the premise of a study by researchers in Germany who wanted to see if restaurant menu design might influence the likelihood of a diner opting for a low-carbon dish. They conducted an experiment in which participants were shown various menus with and without climate information. For example, some menus had prominent labels rating emissions associated with dishes as red for high, yellow for medium, and green for low. Other menus had a low-carbon dish as the default and showed the amount of emissions a customer would add if they substituted with a higher-carbon option like beef. The researchers found that participants selected more climate-friendly foods when the carbon labels were present and also chose the low-emission dish when it was the default. When the menu displayed a high-emission default without a carbon label, nearly 60% of people chose it. Given that one-third of global greenhouse gas emissions come from food systems, helping consumers understand the impact of their choices, whether at a restaurant or at the grocery store, might be one way to nudge them toward more sustainable options. That's it for This Week in Water. Support comes from GC Green, a veteran, woman, and Native American-owned clean energy and resiliency solutions company. Learn more at gcgreen.com.